Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at it again at the boot camp. Hope you're ready for the next episode as we continue on into the character of a leader. We're recording this one a little early, just in anticipation of the food coma that we will be in after our time in New Orleans for Am I a Replanter? So looking forward to our time together. We're recording this prior to that event, and man, I, I just know we're going to have an amazing time. Me and you and our wives and Double Doc and his wife and eating our way through New Orleans and having a good time at Am I a Replanter? Yeah, man, we we had a blast last time we were down there for uh, training with some of our Korean friends from the Korean Baptist Council of Churches. And Jimbo, you introduced me to something that was fabulous. It was the char-grilled oyster. And man, I'm telling you, I'm I'm ready to get get after that once more. And I'm excited. NOLA is a good place. And, and our good friends at the seminary there at Nobits are awesome. And so it's a great experience. And MIRE Planter is always a, a fun event. And man, I think we, we are like two-thirds over capacity, it seems like. I think, Jimbo, if I, if I recall right, pe- people just kept calling and saying, can I go? And somebody, I don't know who, just kept saying yes. And so we've got some really full rooms and are going to have a good time. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. So I got to ask you, because uh, we went to, we actually had char-grilled oysters at two places last time. We're only going to have time to go to one. So we did Drago's and we did New Orleans Food and Spirits. So which one are you wanting to hit up this time when we go? Do you have a preference out of the two? Man, that's, you're making me, that's a hard decision because Drago's was the first experience that I had, which, you know, the first, the first experience is always kind of sets in your mind. And then New Orleans food and spirits was excellent as well. It was a bit dark in there. If I recall right in New Orleans foods and spirits, it wasn't dark as dark in Drago's. So I don't know. I mean, the food was great at both places. I, it's a hard call for me. So I don't know. Game time decision, maybe. For me, the chug-grilled oysters are better at Drago's, but the entrees are better at New Orleans Food and Spirits. Yeah. So it's a matter of whether you want the better oysters or the better entree. Yeah, I think uh, the, the ones at New Orleans Food and Spirits were, were good, but I, I, I think that's an expert evaluation, and uh, I think you nailed it on that. There we go. Well, we'll see. You'll have to tune in next time to see which one we chose and to see how our wives responded. It'll be fun hanging out with them and Double Doc and his wife. Good times. All right. What are we talking about today, Jimbo? Well, we're going to continue in the character of a leader. We had five key factors, humility that we've already covered, goodwill we have already covered, empathy we covered a couple episodes ago, and then we really had a supplemental episode to empathy on the emotional cycle of change with a boots-on-the-ground guest, Tim Williams, out from East Texas. And so today, we're going to continue on with the fourth of the five key factors for respect call, for character called respect. And then the next one is integrity. So on respect, here are a couple of scriptures. I just want to walk through kind of a, a biblical basis for the idea uh, that we're trying to communicate with respect. First, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with just a couple of words out of the last passage. I'm gonna give you in this, and then come back because there's in the ESV in Romans chapter 14 verse 19. It says, "So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding." 
I think that phrase mutual upbuilding really communicates what we mean partially about respect and that it's not just that we respect others, but that we build each other up. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, we can even see that out of these five factors of, of character, they build on each other. If you look at Philippians 2, 3, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility, which is already one of our characteristics of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. That that mind and heart of Christ is what we see in respect. Jesus tells us in Matthew seven twelve. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets out of the commands of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Every pastor's favorite verse, other than the Hebrews one that tells them to submit to us, be at peace among yourselves. So not only do we need respect, be respected, we need to be respectable and we need to respect others. First Peter 2.17 uses the word honor. The word there for honor really communicates the idea of respect as we're talking about it. honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And then I already referenced Romans 14, 17 through 19, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual building. Now, there are dozens of other passages I could have brought in, but I felt like these hit some of the facets. We'll bring up some others as we go through the five imperatives of respect. But I just wanted to just real fast, rapid fire, give you a biblical foundation for what we're talking about today. I love it, Jimbo. I I think that it's really important. I'm glad you centered it on the Romans passage. I think that there's there's this loss of honor in our culture that has come from a lot of different things. And tomorrow, you know, next week we're going to talk about integrity. And so we that's the lack of integrity has and and the lack of just the, the casualness of which we approach our relationships has really kind of done some things to honor. Right? We don't just honor somebody because they have a position. We honor them because they're who they are created by God. And then also we we honor them because the Lord calls, calls us to do that. And so I think this is it's really reflected in this idea of respect. And one of the challenges for us is when we're working with people who do unrespectable things and we still are called to respect them. And man, that's a tough one. And particularly, I think replanters are getting to situations where you may have history that is not doesn't seem worthy of respect. You may have individuals who don't act in a respectable way. And so you're going to find yourself really challenged. So just bringing this down to the boots on the grounds, uh, guys, this is an important one. And if you can operate and respect people that even when they are acting in unrespectable ways, man, I think it's going to go a long way. Absolutely. In terms of building you as a leader, uh, how people see you. It's one of the ways we exemplify the character of Christ, I think, is by showing others respect. Mm -hmm. As you know, Bob, in our family, we have the Stewart family core values, and it's respect, integrity, self-control, and joyfulness. And it's for God's glory and our joy. And and so this is one that we, we try to live out and communicate in our house a lot with our kids. The idea of respect it's, it's one my dad really hammered into me growing up, the idea of respect. I, it just makes, man, a massive difference if you can 
if you can just treat people with respect, whether they've earned it or not, mm-hmm. they, they've earned it because they're created in the image of God. Yep. That's what's made them earn it. And so there are five imperatives of, res- of respect that we want, want to go through. Honor others, like we've already talked about. Open communication, disagreeing productively, help others win, and express gratitude. On honor others, we've kind of already referenced this in Romans 12.10 uh, and 1 Peter 2.17. 1 Peter 2.17, honor everyone. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection out to one another and showing honor. And, and so I would ask yourself this question. When people leave a conversation and an interaction with me, do they feel like I have honored them? I mean, it, it's a high bar, but but do people f- would would people say if I said, hey, you just you just had a, a, an interaction with Bob Bickford for a while. I mean, do you feel like he honored you? I mean, that's a weird question to ask conversationally. But I think if you think through that filter and and try to even after every major interaction, just self-evaluate. I mean, would that person feel honored, by the way, that I approached our time together? Really good question. I think we have to make the distinction to in today's day and age that honoring doesn't mean you necessarily agree or affirm them in their positions, right, in their ideology. I think that the the word honor there, it really is describing in the Greek, it's describing honoring someone for the value that's placed upon them by God not from the soundness of their idea or do they have the best idea and that sort of thing, right? And and I think we're going to get into some other discussion here in a minute that's going to help us understand how to do some of those things in terms of, of, you know, talking with one another when we disagree or have a different opinion and that sort of thing, but just honoring people for a person, for, for who they are and they're created to be. I think that's vitally important. And I think it really, see, once you do that, it lays the foundation for the next steps that are, that you've laid out here. Yeah, so outdo one another in showing honor, like it says in Romans 12.10. Uh, the next one is open communication. Ephesians 4.15 and then verse 25, if you put them together, says, uh, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And then verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Again, you'll see how these all start to build over into each other and bleed into each other as we're already moving into integrity a little bit. Part of open communication is is speaking. With, and, and so honor people by speaking the truth to them, by speaking the truth in love, by being honest and having integrity in your intentions as you communicate with people in a way that builds people up and honors them. Yeah, so one of the things that I think can be challenging for visionary leaders is that visionary leaders often will speak about potentiality mm-hmm. and possibility. Mm-hmm. And the majority of folks that a visionary would speak to are not visionaries, and they're going to take the visionary's word as definitive action or definitive decision. So if, for instance, if you're talking about a particular initiative at church and you say, you know, man, I think we could do this, this, and this, right? And you have it, and you're out, you process things verbally because you're a visionary person and you're just, you're throwing stuff on the wall to see if it's going to take or not. One of the ways you honor the body is by not necessarily changing speaking about vision, but being intentional about how you speak about vision. So for instance, in saying, you know, I wonder if we could start an after school program that would reach the school next door. You're deciding, hey, this is a possibility, as opposed to saying, hey, I think we should start a after-school program for the school next door, right? 
And so there's a difference of the potentiality versus, man, this is the decision we need to make. And so I think sometimes visionaries, when they communicate, visionaries are pretty open with their communication. But sometimes what what happens is that communication can can go to cross purposes, particularly if people think it's a done deal or a decided deal. And so I think that can be challenging. So I think that's something to watch for. And I don't think it's necessarily speaking a falsehood, but it may not necessarily be speaking the truth, right? In, in the sense of this is something we are going to do versus this is something we might think about doing. Yeah. So open communication, making sure that the words we use are, are building people up, that we understand the power of our tongue as it talks about in James and in Good grief, so many verses in Proverbs talk about uh, how to think about your words. And um, and so just thinking about the the way that you use the the strength of your words, because your words do have strength, you know, and I like to think about Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Are we sharpening each other? Is there mutual upbuilding in our communication? Is it productive in a sanctifying and edifying type way? Mm-hmm. And then speaking of productivity, so honor others, open communication, and then disagree productively. It, it, this is not the, we'll just agree to disagree. Listen, this is the the iron sharpens iron thing. As, as you well know, I'm sure, listener, is not a gentle process necessarily. Speaking the truth in love is not roses and rainbows. This There are hard moments in leadership, and there are especially hard moments in pastoring a replant or revitalization. And there will be disagreements, but scripture is clear that unity has to be a goal that we are working towards within the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to maintain unity. Later in Ephesians 4, in verses 31 to 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. I always love when when Paul like gets in these long lists because I, <laughs> he's basically going like whatever loophole you're trying to come up with, like it, it, it's I, I'm it, it doesn't work. There's no loophole here. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, well, I'm not bitter. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. So there's a pretty extensive list there of things we got to put away. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think about the disagreement that Paul and John Mark had, right? There's this moment in the book of Acts where they end up kind of parting ways. And sometimes we do need to part ways for a while, mm-hmm. but they do but they do reconcile. We see towards the end of Paul's life that he asked for John Mark to come be with him. There's a difference between disagreeing and disagreeing productively. Mm-hmm. D- disagreeing distor- destructively, right, is like taking names and keeping score. Yeah. And dividing up and, and you know, building teams. I, I think dis- disagreeing productively makes it about the issue or the action, right? So the issue is, and let's say it's a ministry idea initiative, right? You're going to, you're seeking to maybe do something administratively or you want to do something missionally. There are people who are going to have ideas about that and their ideas are necessarily not going to necessarily line up all the time. So how do you keep it about this issue base and how do you, how do you keep it about this, this thing that we're discussing, right? I think is super important. Most of us, when we disagree, we tend to take it personally, right? And, and I think because so much of our identity is wrapped up in what we say and what we do, 
in how we go about things. And so I think that it's important not to take a disagreement personally, but to inquire about it, right? Okay, so we seem to not be on the same page about this particular thing. Let's talk about that a little bit. What 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 about this suggestion is difficult for you? Or why do you have such, why do you have reservations about it, right? And so let's talk about those things and get substantively. That's one of the things, you know, on our replant team, I think we do that pretty well. We just been, we invite discussion and dialogue and pushback and we'll talk about, you know, what's the best decision and what does the data show and what do we know and how will this work? And we think long-term, we try to walk around an issue. A lot of times in churches, particularly when you have gatekeepers who've just been, they've had say for a long time, and you have people who the, uh, most likely are not like leaders, but followers, the strong personalities in the room tend to, to predominate. And if you are a replanter and you're coming in to, to lead the church forward and change, you're probably going to find gatekeepers or church bullies who have strong opinions about the way things should be. And they may be informed by personal preference or preservation or ultimately, in the worst cases, they see change as a threat to their their position of power. So a productive disagreement is to to really try to dig in and unlayer what's, what's the real battle we're having here? Is it really about the issue or is it really concerned? And if, if you can talk about the issues related to the discussion where you're having a disagreement, what you'll find is eventually you could get to the core of, a, of the issue where it's a a personal thing. It's not a productive way to disagree. It becomes about personal preference and power. Yeah. And again, on how all these things build on top of each other, the way you get to this point to be able to disagree productively is you approach this with humility and all the aspects we talked about in humility with goodwill and all the aspects we talked about in goodwill with empathy and all the things we talked about in empathy. And then within respect, honoring others and open communication, you put all those pieces together, then you will have the skills and the ability and the competency and the character to disagree productively. And I mean, it takes, it takes some emotional and spiritual maturity to be able to do that. But I'm convinced those, those kind of pieces of the, of the pie of the ingredients of humility, goodwill, and empathy, and respect all build to your ability to do this, to disagree productively. So that's on the negative side of things. On the positive side of things, it also would will help enable you to be able to help others win. That one of the signs of maturity is that you are excited when other people win. One of the signs of immaturity is that you you wonder why it's not you when other people win and you you want it to be about you. And so I see this happen a lot of times with people where they'll see something good happen and they'll just, they want to rain on that parade or they want to, what they're wondering why, well, you know, or they hear a compliment about somebody else and they're like, why aren't you complimenting me? And so in, in maturity, I mean, we have to have this approach of mutual upbuilding, like in Ephesians 4, 19, Uh, Ephesians 4 and Romans 14, 19 and Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, again, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is what it means to help others win. Yeah, this is this is really high level relationship and leading right here. And, you know, it's easy to say, hey, when we decide something, and it, you know, we all win. Like when we can come together and, and, you know, the when the tide comes in, all the ships rise in the harbor, right? 
Well, that's true. But sometimes when you guys come to a decision and, you know, with your leaders, your deacons, your committee, your elders or whatever, there's probably going to be some folks who feel like the decision was a loss for them in some ways. And we also have to acknowledge that in, in some cases it is for them. You know, they wanted this to happen and now this isn't going to happen. And they were the, you know, if there were five people in the room and they were the only one for it, then the other four were not. Right. And so they leave that feeling like there's a loss. And so part of the part of the, the organizational awareness and the emotional intelligence is to be able to say as a leader, looking at that one going, you know, hey, Bill, you, you seem that I know you're really um, struggling with this decision. Can we process this out a bit? Right. Can we talk about someone? Make sure you're OK. Right. Either at the end of the meeting or, you know, after the meeting, that sort of thing. Or even if you're the leader and let's say you're the one uh, that's, uh, you know, you know, you can't build con- you can't build a, a sense of consensus or majority like people want to go with this. So I think you you have to um, you have to really work at this one to to have a kingdom vision in, in mind, and then you also have to realize, and this is hard for replanters if they feel like they're losing battles every week and over the course of a year, quite quite a few battles or quite a few things that they want to see change don't change. You got to realize that you're going to have the tendency to want to win something somewhere. Right. And so as a leader, that's kind of a dangerous place to be uh, if you got to win something somewhere. So I think be mindful of that is like, what's the best for all of us? And then I would also say to to the committee heads or the deacons, look, if the pastor's always losing, that's not good. <laughs> right? If he's if you always say a no, like that's not good. I, I remember um, when I took a youth pastor job, one of the things I asked was, hey, can you give me all the committee meeting notes? And so they started giving me, they send me like, I don't know, say like a year's worth of committee meeting notes. And Jimbo, I saw like for the last six months, every time the youth pastor proposed something, the committee voted him down. And so there's no no doubt why that guy left. He was like, yeah, I'm done here. Like they, they won't follow my leadership, right? And I remember sending an email going, hey, do you guys notice this? Like this track record here? And uh, the chairperson that was kind of my connection to interview never responded to the email. <laughs> But it goes both sides. Like we have to find some way to win together, right? The mutual upbuilding, the mutual, and and to realize that the Lord has placed us all in relationship with one another as leaders and decision makers, and that we need to listen to the tension and lean into it. Yeah. And that's where I'd take us back to when we talk about the stuff from predictable success and the kingdom commitment phrase that we we encourage you and your team to make together is, I will place the interest of the church and the kingdom of God ahead of my own personal desires and preferences. And again, this takes that humility and goodwill and all the things that we've been talking about up to this point. And so another passage, I think Romans 12, again, which is such a great chapter, says in in verse 16, and I think in 17, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And this is so key right here, this, this phrase, never be wise in your own sight. Again, there's a myriad of proverbs that back up that idea. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Again, that honor and respect are much the same word. If possible, so far as it depends on you. In other words, not always possible, but so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is what it means to help others win as much as you can. And then lastly, 
the so honor others, open communication, disagree productively, help others win, and express gratitude. The beginning of Ephesians, I do not cease in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Man, Paul says this in so many other letters and so many other places constantly. Man, just speak gratitude towards each other, respect each other with gratitude, say thank you. I mean, it's just as simple as Hey man, thanks for working so hard on that. And we talked about this is this is connected to when we talked about before an empathy of specific encouragement, but it's not just encouragement. It's we give specific thanks and specific gratitude. Hey, thank you for and then specifically and regularly say out loud your gratitude towards others. Don't assume that they know it just because you think it. Yeah, and I would say say it with sincerity. Like develop a sincerity around this gratitude. Like it's it's one thing and you know, just to say it as a function of, well, I got to say this, but it's another function and people can tell the difference. If you say it with, with sincerity, that really displays a heart attitude that's now being verbalized. Yeah. And let me tell you, man, don't, don't underestimate the power today of handwritten thank you cards. Mm-hmm. because they're rare. And we, we've talked about on Replant Hack before. I use the app Felt on my iPad where I can do handwritten and I can just send it from my iPad with a customized picture. So you can look into that. But express gratitude regularly, specifically, uniquely. I mean, figure out ways to make sure people understand how grateful you are for them and the reasons that you're grateful for them. And so, so Bob, thank you for being a good friend and a good boss and a good podcast host and uh, foodie friend and all the, all the ways that you bless my life. Jimbo, likewise, bud. It's been a lot. It's just so much fun hanging out. And I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I found a picture, uh, I think it was from three years ago or so that you came up to do a training here in St. Louis. And that's where it kind of all began, right? It was a start of a unique friendship and relationship, co-working relationship and developed into a podcast. So, man, I'm a fan of Jimbo and fan of the Stewart family and um, super excited we get to see each other here at the end of this week. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.